Welcome to Martha Runs the World, a podcast with a new take on running, fitness, and all things health-oriented. I'm Martha Hughes, your host, and each week I present a new topic that is of interest to all runners. Welcome to episode 210 of Martha Runs the World. My guest today is Rick Mader. He is a runner and an author. He has two books. He's going to tell us all about them, especially his book about running the Grand Canyon. He's also going to talk about his running and how running saved his life, and it really did. It's very inspiring. It's very motivating. Once makes me want to get out there and run. I, I can't right now, but I will in a few months, I promise. We'll also talk a little bit about what's upcoming in Martha Runs the World after the interview. So stay tuned. But first, here is Rick Mader. Will you welcome to the show, uh, Rick Mader? I hope I pronounced that properly. Yes. Um, great. He is a an author and a runner, and he's going to talk a little bit more about uh, how he keeps running. So yeah. Hi, Rick. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Martha? Great. I was reading on your biography, you started running to high school, right? Yes. I was a miler in high school, ran cross country in high school, um, ran cross country in college. But then I I stopped until like the 1980s, went back to it briefly and stopped again and went back to it for good uh, in 1994. I think a lot of us jumped back and forth throughout the years if we started young. It's kind of kind of usual thing to do. Uh, yeah, and it was um a good thing I did I did cuz well, we can get into it, but it, but literally distance running uh saved my life in terms of um a heart attack I had in 2007 which otherwise it was a totally occluded LAD, you know, the Widowmaker. So it should have would have normally been fatal, but the cardiologist uh, said because of distance running, the body builds additional blood capacity. So there's um, little ancillary capillaries that got just enough blood around the blockage to uh, save my life. Wow, so. that that's incredible. That is really incredible. So running, running really did save your life. Yeah, I was going to to ask you about that. I know you you have had four stints. And a defibul- defibrillator, don't talk, Martha, placed in your chest. So is that correct? Yes. Okay. And you still run then? Yes, yes. Uh, I did five miles yesterday. I usually do on Sunday, usually longer, actually. The, the weather's been kind of funky. Um, I do, let's say, at this point, maybe a seven to ten mile long run on Sunday and then a couple, three milers during the week. You know, they're, 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 as as you get older, it does it does cut into recovery time, and um, you know, at some point, I mean, it's really if I ever did a blog, it'd be called "It's All About Getting Your Butt Out the Door," because <laughs> really, that's the most important thing. It's more health, mental, physical, you know, and, and your runner, uh, just getting out in nature. I I I love to, uh, trail running. Um, which I do here in LA in the canyons. And of course the running the Grand Canyon, um, for the book is, is kind of the ultimate trail run. Yeah. It's amazing. Amazing country. We're very lucky to have it near us. I mean, it's not far at all. Yeah. Well, uh, yes. 
well, I, I was going to quibble. <laughs> it's 500 and just over 500 miles from Los Angeles. So it's, it's, oh, and further okay. from up north. Well, that's a little, that's a little far, but, but yeah, I mean, you have, you have some nice hills, not in the LA area. You don't have to, I mean, you don't have to drive that far, you know. No, no, it, it, actually, this is great. I'm in Studio City, which is up against the Hollywood Hills, mm-hmm. and there are several canyons that have a lot of uh, uh, protected wilderness. So there's, it, so it's literally, I run out the door, and in about a mile, I'm, I'm at a trailhead going up nice. into the hill. So that's, um, that's a great thing about this area, actually. Um, and Mount Wilson to the east, which is about 5,000 feet, um, it's over near Pasadena. Uh, I, I did some training on that for the second Grand Canyon run. Nice, nice. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, this is the best time of year to be out there too. The weather is perfect. Well, well, uh, assuming it's, it's not five inches of rain in San sure. Francisco or, or <laughs> the oh. right. And, and rain or shine, I get my, I get out the door. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Oh my gosh. I, I spent all day in the rain Saturday at a race. Yeah. That was fun. I actually, I, did, I think I did more swimming and wading through water than I did actual walking and running. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> you're right. It's, it's, it's physically with cool weather. It's, it's better for, for running, especially distance running. And here in California, this is when everything gets ready to turn green from all mm-hmm. the rain. So it just makes it gorgeous in the spring, whether it's Mount Tam up in the Bay area or, or canyons down here. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, let's be honest, as runners, no matter how miserable it is, it's still kind of fun to be out there and play in the rain. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and there's a satisfaction to getting, getting it done. Like, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think unfortunately, maybe later life runners are, well, I don't want to be that harsh. I just think there's, there's whether it's injuries or just sort of lack of motivation. Uh, I do think it gets more challenging sometimes to, to, it's really about discipline, uh, to get out there and do it True. when you're in your sixties or in your seventies. Boy, that's, that's for sure. You, you just have to get, think of yourself of the reward that you can have when you get back home. You're going to have, Oh my gosh, I can have that nice hot cup of coffee or tea or, or just have a nice, nice meal afterwards. And you just have to think about that or that's what keeps me motivated afterwards. Yeah. When I used to do more like marathon running, I had a training partner up. We used to run Mount Holland and he lived like a mile down the hill. And, and for the last mile, he'd be yelling, uh, the pancakes are on the grill. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. The reward for getting the run done. That's true. That's true. One of the hard, the hardest race I ever did was a 50 K and the whole time, at least the second half of it, I kept thinking of, of the pancakes and bacon I was going to have for breakfast afterwards. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I know it kept me going. It was like, Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was so hard. Yeah. That, that was, um, so. What's your favorite running event? At this point, uh, just getting going out the door, I, I really stopped. Uh, one reason I ran the Grand Canyon was because at a certain point, you can't you you can't replicate past times. You know, whether you're a five k runner, ten k runner, marathons, whatever, and and it was really nice to run a distance challenge where it wasn't. 
um, up against previous achievements. You know, so, so I, I haven't done any races maybe even in eight years, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Um, so it's more, it's more about enjoyment. Um, and like I said, the Grand Canyon was a way to challenge myself where it was unique, you know, and you're not running a marathon and, and or a 5k or a 10k. And there's just no way you're going to be close to your times when you're in your thirties or twenties. Mm-hmm. Do you, when you just go out, do you wear a watch or do you just go for the pleasure of running? I, I mentioned it in the book that, that mm-hmm. I, I actually lost my running watch up on a ridge trail here. Um, and that at first I looked for it and then I decided <laughs> the universe was trying to tell me something. So <laughs> I stopped running with a running watch because, because inevitably you, if you kind of know your course, you kind of, you know, Especially if you clicked some of it off, if it's a if you if it's a road where you can click it off on a car odometer or whatever, a, I think there's a tendency to 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 push yourself more than you really should be doing. Um, so I just clock when I go out the door and when I return. So my running running runners log that's what I track, rather than um, competing against a pace time, you know. Um, so no, I don't wear a running watch anymore. Wow. The freedom that that's such amazing freedom. You must feel. Yeah. And it's, I think it makes for, um, enjoying it more and just, you know, mm-hmm. because you're not going up against the time and you just enjoy nature, enjoy the trail, enjoy the wildlife. Yeah. So now let's talk about your, your book. Well, this is your, your first autobiographical book. Should I say it's called six hours, right? Yes, six hours running from our life in the Grand Canyon. Okay, so why the Grand Canyon? I have a cousin that goes there every year with a bunch of friends and hikes it. And he, he, I decided to join him back in, I guess it was 2010 or 11. And, and they took a, a break in the Grand Canyon. You know, the South Kaibab is one of the main trails down, which is the route I took when I ran it. And they stopped for a break and I just decided to continue on solo. And as I continued on solo, um, I, I started thinking, wow, wouldn't just this be an amazing place to run? So I gave it some trial, you know, like checked out running a few spots and that's what gave me the idea. So, so I hiked it that time. Um, and then, uh, returned like a year later uh, to run it. Actually, actually, I had to delay it for a year. Uh, I, the The run was in 2012. the uh, The issue was that I actually needed another stent. So I had the heart attack was 2007, and I had three stents. And then, um, preparing to do the Grand Canyon, I did a, a treadmill test, and basically, I was back to 80 percent occluded in the LAD. I had to have a fourth stent and put off the run. Mm. So what exactly is a stent anyway? It's a little device that props open the artery. Okay. You know, they implant it, uh, basically they run a, they run a, a wire up through your, like a thigh artery up to, to your, your chest. Um, in my case, it was such a bad occlusion. They thought I might need open heart surgery. Huh? And, 
I don't know if you have any cardiac patients listening, but they can relate to all this. Um, that um, they you can elect to have twilight anesthesia for an angioplasty, which means you would, don't go completely under. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you want to stay awake, you can will yourself to stay awake. Mm-hmm. And I could actually on the operating table see um, the flange TV monitors that the cardiologists are working on. Uh, no, I wanted to know and see okay. it, and because. Uh, you know, I had I had young kids back then. Um, mm-hmm. Then, then I could I could actually see the them kind of rotor rooter uh, the occlusion and it start wow. breaking up. Um, so I knew I wasn't going to need open heart surgery. So that was like a huge relief. And then they run up stents to to basically hold open the artery at key points. Wow, that is that's isn't it amazing what they can do? It just is yeah. incredible. Yeah, we I have viewers all over the world. So I'm sure we have people that can relate to that or, or um, are fascinated by that and know much about, I do have a lot of medical people um, listening. So I know that they know exactly what that is. So thank you for explaining that. That makes a lot more, makes a lot more clear to me what that is and what you went through. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. So tell me what that was like. I mean, how did you prepare for that? For the angioplasty? No, for the, I'm sorry, for the Grand Canyon. I'm sorry. Go back. Oh, I did some, um, you know, uh, just uh, local training. Um, like I do run, I like running hills. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned Mount Wilson. I think I did it once for the, for the first time, but then I went back to it for the second time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, basically just getting some long, you know, 12 milers, you know, some, some longer runs. Mm-hmm. I had actually had an agreement with a cardiologist that, that I wouldn't do more than 10 miles. It was a distance run and, and I kind of broke the agreement on the Grand Canyon, which he wasn't crazy about me doing. Um, but to train up for it, obviously you have to, you know, do some distance. Sure. Sure. How far a distance is that? Uh, the, the, the run was 17 miles. Okay. That's, and, and it's tough. I mean, it's, it's, it's harder going back up, isn't it? I mean, Yes, the going down is extremely tricky if you're running. Mm-hmm. Um, the the I, I talk about it in the book. Um, I call them cross trail logs, but they basically have logs in place to hold the trail in place. Right. But they get really rutted in between, mm. so it's kind of like running like a um, tires on an obstacle course. Oh wow! And there are places where if you fall, you're gonna you can go yeah. off a you know, fatal yeah. fall. Um, also if you're on blood thinners, which I was, um, even if you do a header on a trail and you hit your head, you can mm-hmm. have a da- really dangerous internal bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, so while obviously it's easier going down, there's, you need a, uh, a lot of focus on the route, mm-hmm. um, to, to, you know, the, the canyon's a dangerous place. And unfortunately, you know, people die there every year. I go into some of that in the book. Um, most of them aren't runners, but there is a, a tragic, um, story that I tell Margaret Bradley, who was a, a top female marathoner. Um, and I won't go into the details here, but the whole story is in the book, but she went down the Grandview Trail, which is to the, to the east with a, with a, a, um, a male running partner and they hadn't really done it before. And they misjudged the distance and mm-hmm. they went down too late in the day and get into that. And basically, um, it was fatal and for her. Mm. 
found her on a uh, dry um, stream bed, like a mm. waterfall, trying to make her way down to the Colorado River. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, I have your book ordered, but I haven't had the chance to read it yet. So I'm going to read that uh, shortly as soon as I get that. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to it because I, I love reading about people running in the Grand Canyon. It's such an amazing accomplishment for me and uh, for, for, it's such an accomplishment to, for me to read about it. Um, because it's just such a, it, it's a beautiful, but it's as brutal as it is beautiful place right and and um i talk about safety precautions in the book uh the biggest one is going down early right literally at sunrise well also not running in july and august right which are the 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 hottest um times of year but i ran june 4th is the the run in the book Mm -hmm. so it's uh going down at five o'clock in the morning just as the sun comes out so you Mm -hmm. literally um, you're up on the South Rim, which is, um, uh, about 7,000 feet. So the temperature difference is, you know, it's cool up there mm-hmm. and it gets hot in the gorge. And by the, the afternoon, the gorge can be 105 or 110. Right. Right. So if you get, so if you get down and, uh, to Phantom Ranch and run, uh, the river and start back up before then, you're going to be in, in better shape. And it's, um, it still is going to get hot on the way up, but, it's not as um, potentially dangerous as, as running, you know, going down at 10 o'clock in the morning and you're down there and it's 100 degrees and you're running, you know, in the gorge. Exactly. Exactly. So when did, so now you, you ran cross country in, in high school, so you knew about trails all along then, right? We'll be right back. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Uh, yeah, and I, I ran um, my freshman year of college, a letter in cross country. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, the 60s, I've been around a while, the 1960s mm-hmm. intervened. <laughs> I didn't, my coaches were happy. And mm-hmm. I'm happy in retrospect. That's, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of frustrating because, um, I, I didn't, I didn't explore my potential fully when I was younger. Um, but, you know, so be it. Um, but yes, and of course, cross country has trail runs and whether it's high school or college. Um, and, and like I said, I was a miler. So I was actually more into when I started running in the eighties, I went back to it as more of a 5k runner. You mm-hmm. know, I could do, you know, 18 and change, which was, you know, respectable. And, and actually when I went back to it in the nineties, uh, when it one plus to continuing running, after 60 or after mm-hmm. 70 is that, that people drop out of running and your times, <laughs> if you're running a 5k and you're 65, uh, your time may be several minutes slower than your, than your PR, 
but there's way less competition. So sure. ironically, <laughs> you, your running slows down, but you move up in the standings and suddenly sure. you're 60 and you're running your age group. And it's like, Hey, okay. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I, so that's, <laughs> yes, I, I sometimes will get, will get uh, age group win, you know, award wins. And it's like, I'm not a fast runner. I never have been, but if I do a half, you know, marathon trail run, I will usually place. <laughs> right. Because you're, you stuck with it. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and people don't, whether it's for injury reasons, uh, whatever it is. Um, so that's a little reward encouragement to any, any listeners that, that are thinking about running, but haven't started yet that, that, um, um, that it's actually, like I said, it's, it's, you, you can surprise yourself in terms of, of how you do if you're running a race. It's true. It's true. So how do you, so what else do you do besides running to keep yourself running? Do you do any conditioning or anything? Um, just in conjunction with workouts, like, uh, the, the, the main thing is to do cardio. So that's the run. Mm-hmm. Um, then I just do some, you know, like push-ups and chin-ups and sit-ups and stuff mm-hmm. uh, after I after I run. I think that's important to keep doing. Keep your keep your muscles strong, so you can keep mm-hmm. going. Yeah, yeah. But cardio is cardio is the biggie, just medically mm-hmm. speaking. So if you're swimming, mm-hmm. I'm a member of uh, CardiacAthletes.com. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Mm-hmm. It's an international group. It was founded in Australia, okay. um, both in Australia, the UK, Canada, US. And it's all people that, that, um, basically had a hereditary cardiac condition mm-hmm. and, and they're runners, swimmers, cyclists. And it's kind of a really good support group. And I only discovered them a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, but, uh, lost train of thought that there's a reason I brought it up. Uh, I think just because of the diversity of cardiac choices. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of if you want to get into it at all, cardiac patients, not thinking of it as a, a the end of working out, and and that's what's great about this group because I had a hereditary um, cardiac issue. So then it doesn't it, it's no matter that you're eating healthy and you're running, you can still have stuff happen if you inherit some kind of pulmonary condition. And all these people on that site had that. Sometimes they're in their thirties, um, and then they go back to to training because they really want to. Um, and, and in countries with managed health care, it looks like it's particularly challenging to get a second opinion because mm. you do, you do run up against, um, my first cardiologist said it too. You know, after I had the emergency angioplasty, he told me it was time to hang on my running shoes and said maybe 20 minutes a couple times a week. And I said, I think I need a second opinion. And I found a cardiologist who was a mm-hmm. cyclist and, yeah. and was, had a whole different approach. So people should be aware that they might get very disparate medical advice. But the point is that obviously in conjunction with working with your cardiologist, that you can exercise, you can still, um, you can still, uh, do athletic endeavors, you know, with stents, for example, or at this point, I have a defibrillator on the side of my chest. Um, and so that's like, uh, basically my own personal shock paddles because that attack of ventricular fibrillation in 2016, which basically the heart goes into spasm and you pass out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't snap out of it, it's fatal. Um, so 
that occurred actually in a coffee house, um, mm. a Pete's actually in LA. And my head, I fell off the chair and my head hit a tile floor, which I think basically snapped me out of it. Mm. Um, but I do have, did end up with a defibrillator's result. Which, which basically monitors, if, if it monitors your pulse and if you hit say 200, it'll shock you. It'll, it'll snap you out of, but I haven't, the ventricular fibrillation can be like a once in a lifetime thing. So I've never had a shock. I've never, um, you know, um, had needed it. Um, but it goes to the point of still being able to exercise even with a defibrillator in addition to stents. I always tell runners it's really super important that you have doctors who understand runners. I mean, my, my primary care doctor is a runner. My orthopedist surgeon is an athlete. So I would not go to one who didn't understand my love of running. Mm-hmm. I, it, that's super. That's just the most important thing for me. One of the most important things when I find, when I look for doctors, do they understand athletes? Do they understand my love for running? Are they, do they know that when I get my new, when I get all my hip problems done, that I'm going to go out there and run as far as I can? I've done a few ultras, but I've never gone. I, I eventually want to do at least one 100 miler. Am I going to be able to do that? I don't know. We'll see, but I want them to, know that I'm going to try to do that. Mm-hmm. So they, they need to understand that. I don't want, if I, if a doctor says, well, you'll never run again, I'm going to say, okay, bye. I'm going to find someone else because right. I, yeah, I want them to understand that this is what I do. And this is what I love more than almost anything in the world. I love running. They have to understand that. And I tell runners that if your doctor says to stop running, then you'd find someone else. Yes, exactly. And there's a lot of um ever changing sometimes. Uh, medical views on exercise mm-hmm. for cardiac patients and, um, uh, everything from diet to medication has it like in the last 10 years, there's just been, mm-hmm. um, I was on a, I was on a, I think it was Plavix, like a blood thinner that I thought was going to be on the rest of my life. And suddenly my cardiologist says, well, there's been some additional research. Uh, would you like to go off Blavix? I said, sure. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, from one year to the next, it was like you're on this drug for the rest of your life to, oh, you know what? It's optional. And the same thing with diet. There was a period um, back when I had my original angioplasties where eggs were thought of as uh, potentially negative when it came to, uh, to, to diet. And uh, the view on that is, you know, for, from a cholesterol standpoint, yeah. And view on that's changed drastically. Mm-hmm. So it's, so at one point it's, it's, uh, don't eat eggs or eat, do once or twice a week. And then a few years later, it's like, well, actually it's not a problem. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Better than red meat for protein. Yeah. Health wise. Yeah. It's, it's always changing. Well, science is always changing. Science is never, is never at a standstill. So as long as they keep continuing to, change with science then that's that's all good because that's it's always fluid i mean we know, we don't understand how things work we're all learning everything um so what advice do you give to older runners um i'd say i'd say keep at it um as long as you have the desire and and also that that at some point you know like hiking brisk walking more casual strolls through a neighborhood with a Starbucks. 
<laughs> it's basically just as good as running. And I've given myself permission. Sometimes going out for Sunday long run, you know, it's just better mentally to say, well, you know, I'm not sure if I have it today. And, you know, if I need to do some walking, chunks of walking, especially going uphill, um, I give myself permission to do it. And I think it's, it's important to, to recognize that, that running, your running has to evolve. And if you're getting your butt out the door and you're doing eight miles, and even if you walk a few five minute chunks of it, you know, hike it because you're going up a hill or just brisk, brisk walk. If you're on the flats, um, it's still great exercise. It's still cardiac. Um, and I think we all have to face that potential transition. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking there's going to be a day when I'm hiking all the way uphill and I run back. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still if you here it's Mulholland up the up in the oh, yeah. if you go up to Mal, which is where I run on Sundays, I run up to Mulholland. Mm-hmm. Um so even if you hike up there um and you were to run back, that's still a terrific workout. Mm-hmm. Um so that so I think that and if people are starting to to run, and I think I saw a video of yours uh with this on it. That is the walk run technique. The Jeff Galloway yeah. method. Yeah. I was just going to mention Jeff. Mm-hmm. I, I went to a running camp of his once back in oh, the Oh, nice. 90s. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, near Reno. Um, he, he, um, he's, of course, the big advocate for that. And mm-hmm. for him, it was a huge change. You know, he was like a 10,000 meter runner, mm-hmm. you know, world class and all that. Mm-hmm. And, and he had to get past the no pain, no gain. When I ran cross country in college, it was still no pain, no gain. Yeah. That is really outmoded thinking and it shouldn't mm-hmm. intimidate people that want to, um, you know, get out there and try running. And, and I, like you said, Jeff Galloway, he's the most prolific running author currently. Pick up mm-hmm. one of his books and basically it's, it's you go out and you start walking. You try some jogging as long as it's comfortable. You go back to walking and I'm sure you've talked about this in other podcasts and you can build up. Uh, as much as you want to more running than, than walking, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it's about getting out there and doing it within your limits, not going out there and trying to set some speed record. And, and frankly, that's why I, I stopped running after the 1980s for, uh, 10 plus years because I had overtrained mm. and you can just get carried away and your body will rebel and, and running will not be fun and you'll have a lot of negative physical um, blowback when you do that. I think that happens to a lot of young runners when they, they get out of school and then they say, joy, this was just so much work. I don't want to do it anymore. And then they stop. And it's really too bad because they could, if they, instead of, instead of teaching them to hate it so much, they could do it in a more positive light so that they'd love it the rest of their lives. Yeah. And it's also one, one thing about older runners, when you're running in high school or college, it's cyclical. So you're yeah. running. Yeah. That's true. Mile. You're not running the whole year. That's true. You, you basically you train up for track or you train up for cross country. When you, especially when you're older, when you're running year round, you can't maintain um, a level of performance that's going to be cyclical and you need to remember that and give yourself permission to, okay, you know, like the, you kind of reach a peak, maybe you're training up for a distance race. Um, and then you kind of have to step back and start over again. 
um, you can't you can't maintain that. The older you get, yeah. the harder it is to maintain that conditioning you're around. True, that is very true. Yeah, I, it, it is, and and especially amateur runners don't have a, a, a cycle in their running. They just keep going, going and going and going. Whereas the pros always, there's always a da- you know that they they go out and they they have certain cycles in their running that they always have like a week or two or a co- three or four weeks where they just take it off and rest. And amateur runners don't have that at all. They just keep going. They don't have certain cycles that they go through. Um, and that leads to injury and, and overtraining. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, especially if you're running on your own and mm-hmm. you're not part of a running yeah. club or, or cause at least you have a coach when you're in mm-hmm. high school and college, uh, it's easy to get carried away. It's true. Very true. So, um, now do you have any goals for this coming year? Do you have, have thought about your running or you just want to keep running and just for enjoyment? Yes, because, um, uh, I run for fun now. So, um, like when I'm up in the Bay Area, like I mentioned, Mount Tam, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I really like doing, uh, a loop. You go up from Mill Valley up to the, up to not all the way up. Well, you can to the East Peak and then you run across the mountain to Panoramic nice. Highway. There, it's just, it's gorgeous. The gorgeous views of the whole Bay Area. Um, oh yeah. Uh, you're running in redwoods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Dipsy Trail is great. I, those stairs in Mill Valley are tough though. <laughs> <laughs> they're crazy they are they are they are the worst part is is i was talking about this with another guest a few weeks ago the worst part is when you take the stairs down into Stinson beach because they're not made for regular people i think they're made for someone who's nine feet tall <laughs> <laughs> but it's beautiful and it's uh well oh, the yeah. Dipsy is, it's point to point so of course you end mm-hmm. up at Stinson so yep mm-hmm. you know, on those I, foot those those stairs that are not made for regular people but i'm short so it's kind of hard it's like i feel like i'm hopping from stair to stair <laughs> yeah so in terms of running goals i think it's just continuing on being flexible in terms of any transitions that i might need to make in terms of the amount of hiking versus running um so my my but I, my goals in more in other other areas you have a, a another book i'm working on that's a non-fiction book great i also have a novel out called beat um yes i saw i saw that that looks really really fascinating and like i said we'll have a link for that too we'll have a link for both your books on the website yes i just mentioned beat just for because it got really embraced in the bay area um because it takes place in san francisco Mm -hmm. at ashbury north beach in 1976 so it's a, a romana clef um, basically, what does a group of angst-ridden twenty-somethings do with the sort of the demise of the counterculture, um, the heyday of the counterculture, and what's their next? Where do they go in life? Um, and like I said, it's it, it's it really was embraced by booksellers in the Bay Area, uh, especially Marin, and uh, so I, I was up there a lot promoting it. Um, so there's beat, there's the Canyon book. Six hours running from a life in the Grand Canyon and then another nonfiction book. Very so cool. that's more of a priority. Plus I work full time. So <laughs> you're busy, man. That's excellent. Uh, yeah. So uh, I work in television. So I have to kind of in the back of my mind, think about how long do I want to do that? 
Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This is, this has been really delightful and inspiring. And it makes me wish I could just go out and run up in, in Mount Tam today, but I have to wait a few months. So I'll be up there again. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us and you have a wonderful. Now, are you going out today or, um, tomorrow's my running day tomorrow. Okay. I ran, tomorrow. I ran um, yesterday. So basically it's Sunday okay. long run. Okay. And, um, I keep it, I keep down, like the recovery gets tougher. Mm-hmm. So I'm basically Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, like clockwork. Perfect. 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 Well, it's supposed to rain here today. So probably a good, good thing I'm not going out walking today. I'm probably going to go out tomorrow when it's supposed to be sunny. So, um, yeah, we're getting rain every day this week, except tomorrow. <laughs> probably get my, get by a boat. <laughs> There you go. It's been on the news. Yep. All right. Well, you take care and um, we will talk soon. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Okay. And can I just mention real quickly? So six hours running from life in the mm-hmm. Grand Canyon. So it's available on Amazon. It's available through your local bookseller because it's also on Ingram Spark. Okay. So that's the brick and mortar um, angle. Um, yeah. And thank you very much, Martha. And we'll have all the, all the links on the website at MarthaRunsTheWorld.com and we will talk soon. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rick. I really, really appreciate you being on the show. It was great to hear from you. Very inspiring, your story, and all about running. I love it. I truly, truly enjoy it, and I can't wait to read your book. I really cannot. On my bucket list is to run the Grand Canyon, so I can't wait to read all about how you did it. All right, I have a few shows coming up about runners who keep running into their golden years, as they say, and walking as well. So you don't want to miss those. Those will be upcoming. Lots of great shows for 2023. So we keep on rolling here and I I will keep it going for as long as I can. That's right. And I'm going to start running and doing longer, longer races this year after my surgery. And I'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. That is in March. My surgery is March 6th, so that's coming up pretty soon. It's not going to be very long. Also, on the website, I have special or uh, a blog post that I put out every week that just talks about something different than what my weekly episode is. So check that out at MarthaRunsTheWorld.com. You can find everything there. You can become a Patreon patron if you want. You can buy me a cup of coffee if you want. That's a one-time deal. You don't have to give every month if you don't want to. And you can just check out everything. You can also just uh, become sign up for the for the uh, to be notified whenever there's a new episode or new blog. You'll get uh, emails noti- notification if you sign up at the website. It's a one-stop shop. All right. Well, that is it for this week. And you can also email me at martharunsaworld at gmail.com. And, but that is it. That's all I got. So you know what I'm going to say. First, I'm going to say thank you very much. And then I'm going to say until next week, let's tie up our shoelaces and go for a run. <laughs>